Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Good morning, friends. I've just decided I want music playing every time I get up to talk to people. Just, yeah, it's kind of nice. Thank you, Susan. Um, yes, good morning. It is a lovely day to get together and be with all of you. Um, I hope that everyone's doing well. Uh, my name is Loretta Job. I'm a retired deacon serving here um, at uh, Brighton First, uh, mostly at this campus. Uh, Pastor Lindsay is with us this morning. Tom Doan is somewhere. <laughs> oh, the choir's back there. Okay, so um, we're going to have a great service today. Um, as you know, this is a church that know, wants to know God, love God, and serve God. The cards that you received inside your bulletin have a bunch of information about how we can do that with you, um, and we hope that you will take a look at those and find a place to get involved and connect um, so that you can be uh, on the path uh, in enjoying uh, the fellowship of this great community here. Um, along with those connection cards in your bulletin, there should be prayer cards in the pew backs, or pew racks, as some people, back racks in the back of the pews. That's it. Racks on the back. Uh, we are a praying congregation. We believe in the power of prayer, and so if you or someone you know needs prayer, um, please fill one of those out. Uh, there's an opportunity to mark it for the pastors only, uh, to go on to the prayer chain, or to go to the prayer group that meets here on Thursday morning. So um, please take advantage of that. If there are any children here ready for Sunday school, you can head on down stairs. And, um, oh, come on in back there. I see you. They're waiting till I'm done. We have three announcements this morning. The first is there will be an informational meeting for the Holy Land trip, and John's grandfather is leading that trip, right? Yes, one of the leaders of that trip. Um, so having been to the Holy Land, I can tell you that it is truly a trip of a lifetime, and if there's any way you can be there, it would be fabulous uh, for you and for us. Uh, Tuesday, February 21st is Fat Tuesday. We will be having pancakes that will have no calories whatsoever. Um, please join us. It is a fundraiser for the Redbird Mission. And lastly, the spring musical. This is the children's musical, I'm assuming. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, registration is now open uh, on the website. It's ages 2nd through 8th grade. And I know everybody here has seen the amazing things that those kids do. So um, if you know somebody, a child who could uh, be a part of that, please uh, let them know, invite them, and send them our way. That is everything I have on my list. And so I would ask you to please rise and join in our opening song.
Good morning. Please join me in the opening prayer. Lord, God, creator, we have come to worship you. All we really have to give you is ourselves. Hear our songs of praise, teach us, fill us, and use us to build your kingdom on earth. In your holy name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Scripture lesson this morning is from Matthew 22, 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tom, for reading the gospel message for us this morning. Oh, dear church, it is so good to be with you this morning. I have a question Oh my goodness, getting started here. I have a question. Do you ever feel a little bit lost in life? 
Do you ever kind of wonder where you are going? So in February, we are going to worship together and praise together and pray together, and we're going to focus on that. We're going to focus on living with purpose in our lives. We're going to discover how God might be calling us as individuals or as a community of faith, and we're going to open our hearts to God. We're going to try to do that. So over the next three Sundays, we're going to be looking more closely at knowing God and loving God and serving God, and it is found right there from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, as our basis for this series, and that should sound familiar because here at our church, you hear us say we're going to make disciples that are knowing God and loving God and serving God. That is our mission. That is our purpose. So we're going to dive into that, and I'm excited about the series on living in purpose. Today I'm preaching, and next week Pastor John will be here to give a message, and then the third, the third um, sermon of our series, Pastor Allison, our director of children and student ministries, is going to be preaching, and you're going to want to be here for her sermon as well. I'm so excited for what God is going to be doing over this three-week sermon series. Series. So with that in mind, let's begin our time in a word of prayer. Won't you please pray with me? Oh, loving God, as we gather for worship on this cold winter day, we feel the warmth, though, of your love surrounding us. While outside the snow is present and the air is frigid and our cheeks even turn rosy cold here, Lord, inside you warm us up with your spirit and the love of this great faith community. So gathering for worship, Lord, this morning, help us to be mindful of those who don't have a warm place to call home. We are mindful, Lord, of those who live on the streets and those who work outdoors. God, may you warm those neighbors who call the great outdoors their home that they could find shelter and keep warm those neighbors who work outside in these cold February temperatures, delivering the mail, picking up trash, tending to cattle, constructing buildings. Lord, take care of those neighbors as well. And Lord, in the warmth of the sanctuary, remind us of our blessings this morning. Remind us of the warmth of your love. Remind us of the call to love you and to serve our neighbor, especially those who feel the cold. Maybe the physical cold, or maybe those who receive the cold shoulder from our world. May we be about bringing warmth to the world, Lord, physically and spiritually. In the name of the Creator, Christ, the one who knows us, loves us, calls us beloved, and beckons us towards mission and justice in this world to care for our neighbor and to love you. Amen. Amen. Well, last week at our Whitmer Lake campus, I started leading a new membership class. A group of nine of us were gathering for some conversation after, after church in this new member class. And in and, and the back of your bulletin, you can see I'm going to do a new member class here at our Brighton campus coming up. You can see that for more info. So last week at our Whitmer Lake class, I'm starting out doing this new membership class. And I asked them this question. I said, so what is it that you love about being United Methodist? In the room, there was a mixture of some longtime United Methodists that were maybe just transferring and, and others that were a little bit newer to the United Methodist community. And I said, what is it that you just love about being United Methodist? What's so great about being United Methodist? It was fun to hear their answers and their responses, and, and here's a few of mine. I love being a United Methodist because of our understanding of grace. God's grace abounds. 
abounds in our life and in this world, whether it's prevenient grace, that grace that everybody received before we even know God, or justifying grace, that forgiveness, that grace we receive when we profess faith in Christ, or sanctifying grace, that love that we receive, that grace we receive to sustain us throughout our faith journey that helps us grow and, and as fully as to, to be more like Christ. I love our understanding of grace. We are all about grace as United Methodists. But I'll tell you another thing I really love about United Methodism is that the fact that there are so many women in ministry. Praise God! I love that. I could have a job, so that's wonderful. We celebrate calling and, and women being in ministry and ordained ministry. I love that about the United Methodist Church. I also have really come to appreciate and love our itineracy system, how, how the, the bishop will call you to serve a church based upon the church's you know, needs and the pastor's gifts and graces. I love that. I love our connectional system, meaning that we're a United Methodist Church that's worldwide, and we focus on a purpose together to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, meaning that we're connected together, we're linked together, that we get to focus on the mission and ministry of Jesus, knowing that together we're stronger than we, and we can do far more than what even one single amazing congregation could do. I love that connectional system. But I told, our, I told the new member class last week, I think probably one of the things I love the most about being a United Methodist is our strong focus on loving God and loving neighbor. That's our greatest commandment. It's given to us by Jesus from the scripture that Tom read from us from Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. I love that as a United Methodist. That is our roots. And the founder of the United Methodist movement, John Wesley, he took that to great heart too. He focused on that and focused on his discipleship, on his understanding of making disciples, that it was about the head and the heart and the hands and kind of this holistic perspective that it's not just about loving God, but there's other parts of also trying to know God and serve God because it's all wrapped up into that commandment of what the gospel teaches us. So that's what I love about being United Methodist. We're rooted in the gospel to love God and know God, and it gives us this tremendous calling that helps us live out purpose in our lives. What do you love about being United Methodist? I'm curious, curious to know. So our calling to love God and, and know God is, as, as it says in the, in the gospel, it takes us this morning to then this conversation between Jesus and a group of religious leaders. Specifically, there's a lawyer that's a part of the conversation, and he presents a tough question to Jesus. Remember your kids, like when they're growing up, they just like had endless, endless, endless questions around like two, three, four. They just were curious and wanted to know. And, and then you ever try, you know, like you have questions for your teachers at school and, and the questions keep coming. Well, this, this question comes before and we find ourselves with a really interesting scene. This lawyer and Jesus are, are conversing. The Pharisees are nearby. The crowd is there around, and they're inquiring a question. They have a, they, they're wanting to know his opinion. Perhaps they're looking for wisdom. They're looking for some insight, some interpretation of the law. And so they're gathered, and the lawyer asks this question. You know it. Teacher, 
which commandment is the greatest of all, right? Which is the greatest? So I'm always kind of curious, what motivates the lawyer to ask this question? You know, what motivates him? Is he asking this question because he wants to outwit Jesus? Is he trying to prove that he's smarter and more clever, more knowledgeable of the law? Is he trying to, to, to prove that maybe this is a question there's just no answer to? What's his, re- what's his deal here? Or could it be that maybe this lawyer is genuinely asking a question, trying to discern what the law really requires of him. Maybe he really wants to know, and he's hopeful that Jesus could provide some wisdom and direction for him. Have you ever noticed in Scripture that the lawyers somehow get this bad reputation? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to assume positive intent this morning from this lawyer. I'm going to go with the idea that the lawyer is genuinely curious about what's the greatest commandment in the law. So instead of trying to trick him or instead of trying to prove something or trying to be out witty or whatever, what if he genuinely wanted to know? How come the lawyer always gets painted a bad rap? Why is that? But what if we assume this positive intent of somebody and take the lawyer's question as genuine curiosity? And what if we, what if we say that the Pharisees, the lawyers, they come before Jesus and they're not trying to discredit him? But what if we assume positive intent, instead of trying to place a negative label on him, do we ever try to do that with people? Perhaps those we'd like to negatively label aren't entirely the label that we'd like to stick on their back. They are more than that label that we'd like to place on him, but let's ensue some positive intent this morning before this lawyer. And so with that in mind, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. He has to link them together. You shall love your neighbor as as yourself. So it's kind of appearing this morning that Jesus can't just narrow it down to one commandment, but but they kind of link together because there's a second just like it. One is tied to that first Right? So the summary of Jesus' ministry, the summary of what our calling is, the summary of what he's all about is to love God and to love neighbor, and they are absolutely linked together. So with this clear calling this morning, you know, a a preacher could zero in and say, okay, where are we going to go with the sermon? All right, so love God. Okay, so I could say, this is what it looks like to love God. Okay, I I want you to attend worship and and join a Bible study and read your daily devotions. And I could zero in saying, you know, pray, folks, and and engage in in Bible study and and go on prayer labyrinth walks and walk in nature and and experience God in the beautiful surroundings and, and make a list of all of your blessings you've received for God and, and, and respond in gratitude this morning and, and, and share those financial gifts you've, you've been given, and I could zero in on that for a way for us to focus on loving God. Or I could go another route with this sermon, and I could say, well, let's zero in on loving our neighbor, and so what does that look like? Okay, I'd encourage you to join the missions committee and serve on a mission and go on a mission trip. Or I'd say, hey, get out there and serve with Noah lunch, or, or volunteer and help our Sunday school kids. 
or maybe join the church and society committee ministry by working for justice and advocating for the poor or be a part of our dental clinic or, or support hope's closet i could preach on all those things that'd be good we could talk about the different ways that we can can do all that and there's plenty of ways that our church does it and that's needed and i'd encourage you all to do those things regardless of uh, uh, what I'm going to say this morning, but that's not ac- actually what I want us to ponder this morning. What I think is really important for us to think about this morning is this challenging nature of what it actually means to love God and neighbor and how we have this sort of natural resistance to this calling because it requires us to love those who we'd prefer not to love. Theologian Tim Beach Verhey says, he writes, he says, in quoting the Shema, so that's, the, um, that, that's the, 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 the scriptures that he's bringing together. In pointing the Shema, Jesus points out that the aim of the law is to orient one's entire life towards God. However, one cannot love God without loving what God loves. One cannot love God and oppress or exclude any of God's creatures, even one's enemy. He says that, tough words. He also says, to love God is to love in the way that God loves indiscriminately. To love God is to love what God loves, everything. Because God is the source of all being, and God loves all of God's creatures. That's what I want us to think about this morning. So how are we doing at loving God if that means we're also called to love all of God's children, even those who are different than ourselves, even those with whom we disagree, even those who are not like us, even though we'd rather slap a label on their back and make life easy and make us's and them categories? You remember, do you remember raising a, a two-year-old... <laughs> Oh, they're filled with questions. And they're filled with these troublesome twos sometimes. They have things to work out. They're working stuff out. And I remember (laughs) I remember asking, I don't know, one of my kids and asking him to do something. And they would respond, but I don't wanna. I don't wanna. Do you ever give that response to God? Do you ever find yourself saying, but I don't want to, when we're challenged to love those with whom we disagree or with those whom we'd rather place a negative label on? And do we ever really want to assume the positive intent or we do want to say, I don't really want to. I am just as slow to drag my feet as the next person. So this week I found myself reading a bit of Bishop Lori Haller's book. I think we have a, a slide um, picture of this. She is recently, uh, so she's a United Methodist bishop. She recently retired in, in the United Methodist Church. And prior to becoming bishop, she was an elder in our Michigan Annual Conference. Maybe that's a name you know. I was fortunate to serve with Bishop Lori at First United Methodist in Birmingham. I was one of her associate pastors. And this week, I was reading through Wandering into Grace. It's called Wandering into Grace, A Journey of Discovery and Hope. And as I was reading through her book this week, 
I was inspired by her words around loving God and neighbor and the challenge that it presents us. So I'm going to read a little bit from her book. Quite a lot, actually. She's a wise woman and a great preacher and a fantastic author. I encourage you to pick it up. So this is what Bishop Lori has to share with us this morning. We, co- we become neighbors by looking for God, by, by, by God and everyone we meet. We become neighbors by believing that love is more important than fear. If we want to find God, we need look no farther than our neighbor. Well, as you know, we're in a precarious state right now in our country and in the United Methodist Church at a time when there seems to be so much polarization. People of faith like you and me have to wrestle with the truth that Jesus spoke over and over. If we want to save our lives, we must give them up. If we want to be great, Jesus says, go to the end of the line or sit in the back row or be the last to eat or give away everything you have and and take care of your enemy. For the last will be first, and the poor will enter the kingdom before the rich. That's what has, been so ins- what has been so inspiring as we receive nonstop news in our global world about one disaster or catastrophe after another. Have you noticed that no one asks the person standing on a roof of a flooded house or trying to escape a wildfire or, or fleeing a tornado, all desperate for help? Nobody asks what political party are you or what religion or what's your ethnicity or nothing like that, that none of that matters. We are one human family. Our neighbor is anyone in need. She continues, I have just a little more to share here. She says, our world desperately needs people who love unreservedly, who continually seek to become more like Christ. That's the sanctifying grace at work that I mentioned, and who are committed to unity rather than division. Can we, as United Methodists, lead the way? Dare we, United Methodists, take up the mantle of love? Dare we, United Methodists, be in the front of showing mercy? Dare we, United Methodists, take delight in in finding common ground with those who are not like us? Just a couple more lines here. I can't tell you exactly who your neighbor is, I can't predict to whom you will have the opportunity to be brother or sister today. But I do know this, if you walk with the love of God in your heart, open to the human need and ears attuned to the cries of the needy, you will discover your neighbor. And when you minister with faithful love, quiet mercies and unknown kindness, you will see Jesus in one another. She's a brilliant writer and a fantastic bishop. So over the next couple of weeks, we're thinking about living with purpose and what our purpose is in life, that we're called to be disciples of Christ. And with such great big questions before us of what is our purpose, perhaps, it is, perhaps it's the size of a Grand Canyon, you know, that answer or that question, but perhaps as we wand- wonder about what our purpose is in life and how God is calling us, maybe we'll find a simpler answer to settle our hearts. Our purpose is to love lives, live lives, loving God and neighbor. And yes, that is challenging and difficult. Nonetheless, that's a calling. 
For us to truly love God and neighbor means we have to push beyond our comfort zone of loving conveniently or loving those who are like us or loving only those who are like ourselves. And so perhaps our call to love God and neighbor is a challenging call that we'll need to work towards then the the entirety of our lives. It's not something we're able just to master in an instant, but it's a call that asks much of us and one that I hope we're willing to take on even when it's inconvenient to love those who are different and maybe we should reconsider the labels we try to slap on people's back and maybe assume some more positive intent. Dear church, this day, may we be challenged by the words of Jesus, sometimes troubling, earth-shaking words we don't want to hear, and may we hear it, though, one more time. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. That's the greatest and first command, and a second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. May it be so on our journey of grace as we seek to live with purpose. Amen. Good morning. My name is Liz. Today their prayer quilts are for Katie and Jenny. When the service is over, you have the opportunity to tie a knot on each quilt and say a prayer for that person and to sign the cards. Each knot represents our love for God and our prayer for the person who will receive the quilt. When the person is covered with that quilt or when they read the card, they will feel our strength and our hope and our prayers, and they'll be enveloped in a physical reminder of God's love. Now, let's settle back, take a deep breath, relax our minds and bodies, and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you love each one of us, and you have our best interest in heart. You have given us so many blessings so many opportunities, so much love. You provided this beautiful planet, the birds in the sky, the animals on the land, the creatures in the sea, and the plants that sustain us. You gave us your son to guide us to eternal life. But God, you also gave us free will. And some of us aren't doing so well with that. The news is full of horrible things that mankind is doing to our planet and all the other things you created including people. Please, Lord, help those who are suffering through no fault of their own. Please touch the hearts and souls of those who are causing trouble for others. Let them know the warmth of your love, the joy of your presence in their life. As you turn Saul, the tax collector, into Paul, turn abusers of free will into what you created us all to be, in your image, to serve you, to be your hands and eyes here on earth. Lord, we are all blessed, yet we all have concerns. Some people are carrying a burden and want to share it with you. Some are just wondering when they'll have time to sit quietly with you. In this minute of silence, please hear our prayers, our concerns, and our praise. Dear gracious Lord, People pray to you constantly, day and night. This morning, millions of believers will be offering one particular prayer. It will be recited in groups or individually. My prayer is that everyone will feel the hope and peace that comes from the prayer that Jesus taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. invite our communion servers to come come forward to the table and we gather around the table the table of grace the table where all are welcome the table where we encounter Christ where we can meet one another and experience his grace on the night he which he gave himself up for us Jesus took bread gave thanks to you broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. 
for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has, has died. died. Christ, Christ has risen. risen. Christ will come again. Oh, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all of the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Church, you are welcome to the table, for it is Christ's table. All are welcome, whether you have been United Methodist your entire life, or this is the first time you're ever even entering the doors into the church. Because of God's grace, you are welcome here. In a moment, the ushers will be inviting you to come forward to receive. There's going to be two serving stations. One down at the, the corner here over by the piano, the other down here where our, one of our ushers is standing down front. Those are the two serving stations, and you'll receive a piece of bread, and then you'll receive a small cup, and you can go ahead and, t and take the, the bread and eat it and drink the, the cup, and then you'll notice on your way back to your, to your seat there are two trash cans, and consume the juice and place your cup inside the trash can there and return to your seat. In the middle section here, there will be, um, be gluten-free elements. If you have gluten-free needs, that will be in the center section. So please find servers there. All are welcome as the usher invites us.
as Lindsay said, um, this church has a purpose. And it has been years that you have all supported and grown the ministries here. It is through both your financial contributions, but also the precious gift of your time and talents. And so as I ask the ushers to come forward this morning to receive those monetary gifts, um, I also hope that you will offer, um, as we say in the communion liturgy, um, yourself um, as an offering to God to be used for his purpose. Would the ushers please come forward? Lord, God, creator of the universe, accept the humble offerings we bring from what you have first given us. We ask that you would guide us in using these offerings to spread love throughout the world. Amen.
Church, may we take up that calling this week and the greatest command to love God and neighbor. May you go forth with full hearts to spread the love of God wherever you go. Amen. We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You are invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.